and welcome to Blockchain Gaming World, episode 113. I'm John Jordan, and very pleased joining me today is uh, Jamie Jackson. How's it going, Jamie? Good one, mate. Thanks for having me. Good, good. So, uh, Jamie is Chief Creative Officer at Mythical Games, so our second Mythical uh, Games C-level exec. So we had John on, getting on last year, I think it was, probably. Um, so, uh, always make space for, for the C-levels at Mythical Games. Um, so, <laughs> good to have you on. Sort of, fir first question... Um, you know, you have been in games for a long time. You've worked on a lot of, of big titles, so it's always good to sort of uh, uh, get people, you know, understanding where you've come from. And then also interesting, um, you know, your transition into, into blockchain and how, you know, I guess from a creative point of view, how, how was that exciting? Was that a little bit of a, a learning curve? But yeah, the, the potted history uh, will, be, yeah. will be a good starting point. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm like, I'm, it's long enough now that I, I'm, I don't know where I'm, it's like in, it's like 22, 23 years. Like it's, yeah. it's that like age where you just stop counting. Um, <laughs> I've done it. I've, this is, this is my full grown up job. So like I studied car design at university. So I was in like car and product design mm -hmm. and um, we were the last, um, my year was like the last year with the doing it with pencils right and everyone behind us was getting taught how to do 3d modeling and we, and we were all like well, we might were like oh man we're screwed right because like they're not teaching us the tools right so um i ended up teaching myself like 3d modeling in the third year or a group of us did we just kind of found this basement with a bunch of machines and we were like let's just figure it out and um and a friend of mine ended up hitting me up he was working at codemasters at the time which you you will know well um but uh, he hit me up he's like oh you should come and apply for a job here. It's right up your street. Like you're modeling cars and it like pays good. And I and it was like one of those weird things where like I was a gamer, been been a gamer since I was like a wee kid. And um, I just never computed that I could work in video games. Right? It was just mm -hmm. this thing that, boom, existed somewhere. I never ever even thought about it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. So um, I went and applied. I got a job at Codemasters just before I actually had to finish my final year at uni, which took so much pressure off which is quite nice so i started out my career as a car modeler um for colin mccray rally okay, so the first yeah. game i ever worked on was colin mccray rally 2 um which is an awesome awesome game so i, I kind of did rally 2 rally 3 and started to, like kind of cut my teeth a bit at codemasters and then um started a company called freestyle games we just kind of me and a bunch of folks from there, we were just like, you know what, let's just give it a go. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I was young enough and, and kind of dumb enough to go, yeah, cool, let's give it a go, let's wing it. And we were all kind of, all of us were car game vets, pretty much, right? So like design director for Tocker and Colin and like um, head of tech for those and stuff. And then a couple of other guys from uh, GoldenEye. So we were going to go and make a driving game at Freestyle. That was our kind of what we set out to do. And then like, try and fast forward we just sort of fell into making a psp title which was a breakdancing game and we right. suddenly got into rhythm action like t kind of by accident like mm -hmm. we were just coming up with this cool concept and um a good friend of mine pete hawley was running sony at the, the sony kind of uk side at the time and signed us up for psp project so we were like oh shit we're gonna learn how to make like rhythm action games right so <laughs> we started doing that which was a ton of fun and then the kind of guitar hero exploded right and um mm. at the time we were making a product we were designing a kind of concept for we um which was like all the elements of hip-hop is like rapping and graffiti and djing and whatever and um we were like, oh, wait a minute, 
this guitar thing's pretty cool. Maybe we should just focus on the DJ thing. So we kind of we came up with DJ Hero, and and that's we ended up getting acquired by Activision because of that deal. This is a whole other story about how that happened, but um, that will take a while, and it's quite funny, and I don't know how much of it I can say. But um, so we ended up. So I did DJ Hero. We created it. It was kind of. We built the controller in my garage one winter, which is cool. One of the engineers like hotwired an Xbox controller, and I built this thing out of like cardboard foam and hot glue, and it was like it was cool. So it was a good time. So I did that, and then at Activision, we worked on the Hero franchise for quite a while. So we did Hero, Legion Hero One and Two, and my team also did a lot of work on Guitar Hero because this is huge like DLC content that we built a team of doing that. So we got really into music games and. We did a ton of that stuff. We worked, um, which is where I met John, uh, John Linden, because uh, he was kind of looking after a studio over there. We worked together. We did some. We helped each other out, which is pretty cool. Did some work on some Skylanders products. Did a little bit of work on some Call of Duty products. So did like a whole run at Activision, um, which is really cool. Like was, you know, learned a lot. Um, it's a sort and, of sort of uh, it's a sort of funny how how that. You sort of maybe not you, but I sort of forget how you know how big those sort of hardware-based sort of music games were. I mean, they were absolute phenomenal. They just blew up. They were massive, and even Skylanders yeah. I mean, absolutely enormous. And then they sort of very quickly sort of went away again. But for yeah. that period of time, it was very interesting. I'm sure, yeah, to be working on those. It was products. huge. It was huge, and it was like it was really fun to design games with a peripheral in mind, right? Like mm. something that you could actually then design to work with a game. I don't. It's interesting. I don't know whether they'll ever come back, right? I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if that like cycle makes its way back round but mm. there was definitely some magic like with those games guitar hero and rock band and all and dj hero like it made you feel like you could do something musically that you probably couldn't actually do which oh, yeah. that, that, <laughs> that's the dream right um yeah so i was there for i was i was at activision for about almost 10 years mm. um yeah wild times good times lots of fun product uh and then i left uh, around about 2015 um, and, I, and that's kind of where my journey or where I started to become aware of blockchain a little bit, yeah. right, and, and the technology. So I started a little company called Slingshot Cartel with just a f small handful of us in the UK. And we had this like theory of like, you know, we can maybe make video games in a different way. Yeah. Um, and I just built, I just done Guitar Hero Live. It was the last game I did at Activision where we kind of tried to reinvent Guitar Hero. We had GHTV, which was like MTV that you could play tracks on, which was pretty dope. And then we had Guitar Hero Live, which was, we kind of filmed everything, mm -hmm. right? So we, we, we even lent into tech that Spielberg was doing for Tintin, and we kind of advanced some of that tech, and we were using mocap cameras to drive robot arms. It was, it was a really, really fun project, and I was like, we're all really proud of what came out of it. But I got to learn a lot about the movie industry and, and how it worked. And I think yeah. there's always been this like narrative in games for as long as I've been in it, where people are like, oh, you know, games and movies are going to merge into one industry at some point, right? And they're, ne they're not, because that's insane. Um, but I do think what, where, where, this, where it became interesting to me was the way the industries work could influence each other, right? And I think... You know, video games, what we ended up doing, and this happens a lot, you know, with the Activision, you know, some of my studios, happens all over the place. You grow these teams, massive, massive teams to try and get a product out, right? And then you kind of have to pull this team yeah. down. Mm. Um, and it becomes, you know, it's tough, right? It's not fun. But that's how movies work. Mm. They just set it up differently, right? Like everyone's on a contract to so sell like the lighting, rig the riggers, they come in for the rigging and then they're on to another movie, right? So mm. the, everything works in this really interesting way. And I was like, huh. You know, maybe there's a way to do it. So we kind of created that theory of like, can we build games in a different way? And uh, we built this like little 
game called Paper Golf that went out on Facebook um, when Facebook were redoing their gaming and stuff. Yeah. And it was cool. It took us like three months, 12 people, two weeks, we had like 10 million players, right? It was like, oh, that's, you know, cool. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but at the time, Facebook weren't really letting anyone monetize, so they so they were like, "Do you want to keep doing it?" We're like, mm, "Not really." And <laughs> 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 I was making some money, and they were like, "Yeah, that's coming." So, you know, it, but it was interesting to like test the theory, right? And, and we did another product that we just did a soft launch, just a, a, a kind of threw out the door shooter thing that was we did called mm-hmm. the RG Initiative on on Steam, just put it out for a little yeah. bit. And unfortunately, yeah. we kind of dropped it the week Fortnite came out, so we just you know we were like this little boat and this. Yeah. Thing. No, I, I never played it, but there's definitely I went to some conference talks about it. It's definitely interesting. The sort of esports spectator. Yeah, thing you, thing you're trying to bring in. Yeah. yeah, thinking about like all the different ways people are playing games and mm. talking about games and projecting the game. So anyway, it, it was that was a fun time. We learned a lot, but that's kind of where blockchain started to kind of land on my radar because we were talking about we're trying to think of different funding models for okay. games as well, yeah. right? Like how how can you fund things? And um, conversation came up with. Um, uh, one of our investors or early investors and you know he was really starting to go down the rabbit hole of crypto in America mm-hmm. um, and he's like hey why don't we build a fund which is all crypto driven right and then we kind of you know we you know all these because all these people out there with this all this crypto and there's not you know, there's not a firm to spend it at the moment right so we could like build this thing the whole project could be wrapped in blockchain the money comes in, you build the product, blockchain pays all the money out, and if people want to sell their stake and all this kind of stuff, they can do it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool, right? I was like, okay, that sounds really cool. I'm into it. So then I talked to our, I talked, got my lawyers involved on the UK side, and they're like, you're going to go to jail. Stop immediately. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's really depressing. Um, so, <laughs> never, you know, never ask the lawyers, clearly. is the uh, Yeah, I know. <laughs> God, I learned, <laughs> learned a lesson, right? Um but it was just like back in that time in the UK, it was just every, everyone was very like, mm. you know, cautious. So we didn't really pursue it, but it that was how it landed on. That's how it kind of ended up in my sphere of thinking a little bit. Mm. So it was, and, and I, so I just started to try and understand it a little bit more. Like I didn't fully, you know, I didn't fully grasp it. I don't think I still fully grasp everything today, but you know, that, that's but just I don't think anyone apart from the movie Vitalik, fully understands it. <laughs> the right. whole thing is one, one of those things, there's an awful lot of trust at every level, I think. Yeah, yeah. and um, But it, was, it just, I don't know, it flicked the switch. But I think back then, I, we were, I was just thinking about it from this funding hmm. point of view, right? I hadn't really thought about any of the other things. And then um, my wife, she works at Nintendo. And um, we were living, she was working out of Europe and we always had this deal because she moved to Europe to live with me to finish Guitar Hero. And then the deal was when it's the next move is on her right okay. so um and she got called back to come to nintendo of america um for a big promotion and stuff and she, she's a badass she's really cool she does way cool stuff than i do um so i was like okay cool like yeah. let's go right we got packed up and moved to america yeah. and that's when john called me and he's like hey um you know i'm thinking of starting a new company uh, but like basing it in blockchain like using blockchain as kind of part of the foundation of what we do and he kind mm-hmm. of thought me through some of his ideas and that was just sort of crypto kitties was if yep. if you paid attention right crypto kitties was kind of this thing back then mm. and i was like oh, you know we talked about it a little bit and it was and I, I, at the time i think i was a little bit like bored burnt out with games right i was just like yeah we're just making the same game over and over and over again and i was just like you know what 
I'll be a stay-at-home husband. I'll be my wife can keep me as a kept man. I'll take that. Sounds good. Um, and uh, and then John kind of starts talking to me about this, and uh, you know, as so we started to then to just bounce ideas around this idea of using blockchain to just prove ownership, right? And mm-hmm. just start to like, what is it? You know, it's kind of like digital history, which that when I sort of think about that paradigm, I get really excited. The notion that I could own something in a game, and it could retain the history of how I found it or who I've slain with it or you know what I mean whatever it might be I was like oh man that's really exciting right that's kind of cool um and this idea that you could limit things because like I'm a collector you can probably see in my room I've got <laughs> surrounded by Warhammer and toy kind of stuff um so like the notion of collecting and is like it's totally in my wheelhouse like I get it um so that's what got exciting, you know, when all of a sudden flipping it from just a funding model into mm-hmm. like, what can it do to games and how can it change games? That was where, it, that's where it kind of got excited. So I kind of, yeah, I, I, I got off the phone from John and went downstairs. I was like, um, so I think I'm going to start a new startup. And she, my wife like just cracks up and she's like, cool, you've been retired for like six weeks. So good, <laughs> well done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> of course you are. So yeah, that was kind of it. And did you, obviously, you know, for the last sort of year or so, we've had, you know, a lot of heat around from some of the traditional, you know, big sort of uh, game studios or developers at their studios with, you know, various sort of ne- ne- negative sort of takes on that. Did, at that stage, obviously, the, the the sector was so small, there was only enthusiasts in there. But did, did you have any sort of, you know, because obviously you come at it from a creative point of view, did you have any sort of thoughts around maybe, you know, I can see why some people won't like this or personally did you have any or was it just pretty much this is a new tool looks fantastic we can make some new stuff with it no i never did and i, and I mm. you know i still don't to be honest because mm. i think that like if i boil it like just from my perspective if i boil it down to what i think is kind of fundamentally interesting it is mm. moving away from owning a license to owning the thing like yeah. that's just that to me is like because this you know like when this i was thinking about this earlier i was like what phase are we in of blockchain gaming and i think a lot of people are like oh it's like mobile i'm like yeah it kind of is but if it is i i think we're still in the we're in the phase of snake like we haven't got to iphone yet right like that's kind of how i look at it a little bit um because everyone forgets like you had games on your phone long before iphone right um it's just they were these like silly little like fun fun but whatever um and even yeah. with iphone when it kind of blew like gaming and apps blew up there was a lot of iterations of what the model looked like before it ended up where it did today right and and so i don't even think we've quite got to that stage yet mm-hmm. um but um i've never i never did because i think the kind of you know economical impact thing um kind of came out around like the nft sort of thing right phase and i think you know, a lot of people were just up in arms that, like, how dare digital artists have a way to make money, right? Like, he's like, come on, man. Digital artists have been screwed for years. Like, give them a break, yeah. you know? Um, so, anyway, I just, you know, I think that kind of came out of left field. And, you know, when you dig into that economical impact, you've got to compare it to all the other economical impacts and then kind of draw, draw a conclusion for yourself mm-hmm. from that right? and, I'll probably stay clear of that one today, but I just, for me, it was just owning shit is interesting, and 
you know, I don't necessarily think it's always going to be about these like, you know, super volatile secondary markets, right? If there's something really rare and someone really wants it, they're going to buy it, right? But I think there's also interesting paradigms like, you know, I think about games I've spent money on. Yeah. Right. So I, I like last so two years ago for two years, me and some friends played a lot of World uh, Call of Duty, right? Um, uh, Warzone, and before that, playing PUBG, right? Mm. So to start off with, I didn't spend any money because I'm like, I'm not spending any money. And then gradually, like the FOMO yeah. kicks in because all my mates turn up in these outfits, and I'm like, mm. oh, okay, cool, I'll spend some money, right? So, but like, I don't, pl- I haven't played PUBG for forever. Mm. I'd love to just go and sell my stuff. Like yeah. it'd be so cool, right? If I and I've got stuff that the, you can't get anymore. Like, um, and if I could just sell it, and it doesn't mean I got a ton of money back. Someone's like, I'll give you ten bucks for that. I'm like, cool, sweet. You know, I've got like yeah. ten bucks in my game fund again. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I think like it's, I said, very... I think go on. No, I was gonna say it, it is. I mean, I think it's interesting, and as it's yeah, you know, certainly having spoken to John, it's interesting that obviously yeah, you mythical are sort of aligned in this. You you talk very much about that sort of you know a sort of. A, a sort of conceptual model of you don't you don't worry about any of the you know we're not talking about details of any blockchain or anything like that it's just it is just you know john's famous thing gamers like to own that own the stuff there in in games why would why would you why would develop a, not like a technology that allows gamers to own their stuff you know yeah. just clear, clearly gamers want to do that and, and obviously people sell their Fortnite accounts to do that yeah. so it's already sort of there so why would you not legitimize yeah. that and make it make Make it so no one gets ripped off and everyone sort of sort of wins at a very basic level. I mean, it's 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 make it easy, interesting. Make it safe, yeah. right? Like yeah. all of that kind of stuff makes a ton of sense. I you know I've talked to a lot of people as well. Like I've had some interesting discussion with with people from the industry who are like, you know, there's no problem to solve. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I find a lot of those people tend to come from like pretty hardcore free to play mobile, right? Where they're kind of dependent on this notion of continually having to sell something new, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is like this does challenge that model, um, which is why I think, um, you know, I kind of reference like where I think we are in the kind of evolution of yeah, like yeah. the yeah. mobile, right? Is the, the model still going to evolve? Like people are still trying to figure it out. Like is is there a, you know, will the sweatshop mechanic be the way that goes? Mm. I don't think it will personally. I just don't. Like, I don't think that you're going to get two billion gamers interested in that kind of model. But, you know, other variants of that could be mm. like there's going to be stuff we're going to keep trying, you know, figuring out the stuff we're doing on with Rarity League and the idea of owning guilds and how you manage that guild and just giving owners a, a place that they can be and they can recruit gamers into that guild with them and they get up access to new things that other people wouldn't get. Um, which kind of leans into that kind of play to own mechanic, especially when you get to like, oh, I get access to players early and I can get those players and I can rip packs and blah, blah, blah. So like, I think those things, are, like we obviously believe in that because that's the kind of thing we're building, right? But um, yeah, I just think like the, the, the still, still TBD, what like is the one final mechanic that, to rule them all? Or, you know, does the fact that we can just own some stuff and we can trade it safely mm-hmm. actually win? And I, I, that to me is what's exciting. And, you know, to go back to the point about like, I would love it, you know, me and you, we're playing whatever, the next Zelda together. And mm. Like, if I get this sword before you, it'd be really cool if there was a note that was like, hey, John, Jamie got this before you, right? And, yeah. like, you know, I can show off a little bit. And, and that now my sword is has that history attached to it. Mm. Um, I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think it is interesting when you talk to people, I think, more from the creative side. I've you know, talked to a few sort of game designers who I've known over the years who are now into blockchain. And it, they, they just... It takes them sometimes a bit of time, but then they sort of immediately see all this stuff we couldn't have done before, 
you know, and they see it in a very game-centric way. Like, there are these things that we could never have done in games before that, are make, that will make games more interesting. And obviously, you're not going to make exactly the same game on the blockchain you would off the blockchain, you know, traditionally. Otherwise, sort of, what's the point? But just these very new sort of sort of mechanics, and a lot of them are built around stuff like that sort of um, sort of social um, sharing or flexing or, or, or yeah. you know, collaborative PVP, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all sort of a mix into that. But it's the, it's, the, it's the ownership of the item that allows you to sort of do that in a... In, in a you know a, a sort of authoritative way rather than sort of what you have at the moment which is a little bit bells and whistles um yeah and trust right like yeah. kind of that trust and i think like i've had a lot of people say well you don't need blockchain to do this thing hmm. i'm like well you know you kind of do because it's about the trust and it's about saying hey you know like we're never going to release another billy bones the way we did for the first blancos right yeah. just, so um you know it kind of gives that kind of validity to that asset and you know no, like another great example like pete who one of my pals that we played cod with like he's got this sas mm. skin right from yeah. like three years ago or something and he busts it out and out again and like people are always like dude that's bloody red like they you know they're like love it yeah um and he just gets to flex it and i you know he's a, he's a hoarder so he'd probably never sell it but if he could and someone's like dude i'll give you 300 bucks for it i'm yeah. i'm sure he'd sell it right? mm -hmm. like, yeah definitely, definitely. good thanks. cool so let's let's uh talk get a bit more sort of specific about stuff so so um a few products working on now i guess we have to talk about blancos because blancos is the is the one and you know, i spent a lot of time uh and a lot of money in blancos so so it's, so it's good 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 one to start with i mean it's definitely you know the i just remember just remembering like the first time i played blancos I and mean, that was a very Nothing to do with the blockchain, but the art vision on that was a very particular sort of thing. So, you know, how, how did that come about? Was that just sort of the way you were at the time, or was that sort of sort of a JB un, un, unleashed or something? Because <laughs> it, yeah, it was um, it was a really sort of you know, solid, yeah. trippy, you know, whatever adventure. Great, yeah, you know, really, really quite coherent. As well as thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate I, that's cool, and we really appreciate that. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a lot like. So I'm a I'm I've been collecting vinyl toys since like I was probably mm. in my late teens, like early twenties or whatever. Mm. And um, um, so I've always been like slightly obsessed with them, and when and I've always wanted to, I've always had in my head like when I got into games, I was like, wouldn't it be cool to make a vinyl toy type game, right? Like, mm. wouldn't that be cool? Um, and one of the, the first version of DJ Hero it was actually called Superstar DJ. It was signed with somebody else. Long story, uh, but it, yeah, we actually rendered it as a vinyl toy. So all the characters, it was they all looked like vinyl toys. They had this kind of cool, like, um, kind of hard edge to them. They were, it was pretty neat. And then we got quite a bit of Activision, obviously, flipped the whole script and built it into the Hero world, right? So I've always had them in the back of my head, like, oh, vinyl toys are cool. So when we were talking about what could our first game be and how do we kind of like, how do we lean into this idea of collection? I was like, well, you know, bringing vinyl toys to life, not in the way that Skylanders did, but like in, you know, you don't need the physical. It's just that the sort of theme is that this is, this is the place where toys go to play. Right. Mm. It just felt like it made a ton of sense. And then if you kind of, if you know anything about vinyl toys and you know like about like you look at dunnies and monies and all these kind of things like part of their success is based on collaborative collaborations with artists like mm. and the ability to sell blanks that artists just paint and sell themselves right so it just it ticked all of these boxes of what we wanted to do which was bring creators into a game mm. give them a path to deliver their kind of 
you know their 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 um, art to people, people to actually play with it, like to yeah. someone to have fun and play with it. Um, and then you know again from blockchain point of view and the way we're selling it and the way we're tracking everything from that using the chain to kind of track all the sales and then track out the payouts and all that kind of cool stuff it just seemed to make like it was like oh like this is the time mm. to go for this right because right. i also think vinyl toys cover a broad age range yeah. you know like yeah. my kid is four he well he's not even four he like every day he comes up papa blankos guy play blankos right he just loves the look and feel of it like mm. so but then you know those of us that are a bit more older and but still dig vinyl toys, but it's still appealing, right? So it's mm. got that kind of cool appealing look to it. And then, you know, we Dan Lish, who's one of our um kind of lead concept artists. I've worked with Dan since B Boy. Like we we've we've, oh, yeah. we've just kind of been around each other ever since then. And mm. you know, getting him talking to him about it, and then hear like him kind of putting his spin on this thing that was in my head and, and and then him taking it miles and miles further and just bringing this world mm. to life was just, it just was really cool and, yeah. and it felt right. So that's mm. kind of how it ended up where it ended up. Yeah. And it's sort of, because cause cause I'm slightly uh, weird about these things and track it all, I think you're up to 100 and, 124 or something, 123 I think, Blancos. So it's really a lot of Blancos. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's something, it's something like if you did, um, me and John were talking about the other day, but if you took all of our NFTs and trade volume, we'd be like number three in the okay. world or something. Like yeah. it's some, some crazy stat he pulled out his butt the other day, and I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's insane. But I guess coming back to your original, well, one of the points you were making before, what's interesting is is you have, I think the most expensive one maybe you've dropped is maybe $500 or something. It could be wrong, could be 350 something like that. But yeah, there's been a certain level where there's been, you know, the, the sort of more branded ones. Um, yeah, the Burberry one, I think, probably. Yeah, the Burberry one was 350 something. And then, but then, you know, a whole bunch of them, probably the, probably the most, most of those have gone out, gone out at, the, at the shop mint price of $10. And there's been a whole bunch of yeah. stuff on that. And obviously, you know, a whole bunch of them, you've, people can earn them in the game. You've done giveaways. And so, so across that 124, you know, now on the, on the marketplace, I think the, the cheapest one is I can't remember like five five bucks or something. The most expensive one is the golden ticket. Yeah. The man's still hoping to get five million for that. Yeah. <laughs> he set the price at five million. Good luck. We'll see. Um, but so yeah, you have exactly. that. You, so you have that ecosystem. That you have that whole range of, of basically. Yeah, yeah. Anyone can turn up with like twenty bucks and, and you know get feel like they're getting a decent collection together, or have a bit of choice. Yeah. But the sort of collectors can equally. You know, yeah. And even even beyond that five million one, I think the generally the most expensive, unless you're going for the really rare ones, you know. You talk about a thousand dollar sort of cap, which isn't, which is obviously yeah. a lot, but it, you know, for some people, is, is, isn't a lot. So, so yeah. it's sort of quite interesting how that sort of that market has sort of worked out. Yeah, I mean, you know, and kind of, you know, by by design, right? Like mm. we wanted, we didn't want Blancos to have a barrier to entry from a price point, right? So, yeah. mm. you know, when the world was going crazy and NFTs and all that, you know, crazy stuff last year, as it all went nuts, nuts. You know, we kind of we always wanted an entry point that was free, right? Because mm. we kind of, you know, we talk about this a lot. Game first, right? We want to be mm. game first. We want to bring. We want this technology to enhance what we do, what we've been doing, yeah. all been doing for a really long time, which is make cool games. Um, so you know, low price point was always important for us. Um, limited time as being available was important, right? Because that kind of limits how many are out there. And eventually, you know, we'll see how things go with, you know, with Epic Games or release and, you know, more people coming in. Like, what does that do for some of those things? It's going to be really interesting. Um, 
but yeah the ability for people to just come in and get an nft for free has always mm. been kind of in our wheelhouse but then we also wanted to show that you know this is a place where you can go and sell high-end pieces because it's about mm. collection right and yeah not everyone's going to go and spend 350 bucks on a, on a blanco but mm. people did right and it, it's mm. kind of like you know i'm a sneaker collector and you, you know uh, i'll yep. spend money on sneakers because they're the sneakers i want but it's you know my dad's like you did what you know yeah. i can get them down you know little yeah. for 10 bucks i'm like well you can't dad but anyway <laughs> whatever so um so yeah you know we kind of that was kind of the point right we try these different things lots of brands are getting you know they they get it right they're interested in the space mm. they like the idea that what blockchain can bring to them especially when you talk about like burberry right because yeah. they're a high-end brand right mm-hmm. they're, they're, and they're unapologetically a high-end brand it's like yeah. if you want a burberry hat mm. it's 200 bucks mm. don't want one that's cool we're you know what i mean like yeah. so for them coming in and being able to do that and then having having kind of just the tech add validity to it again is what's super interesting mm-hmm. and uh, just just to sort of highlight you did mention it in passing there but uh, but just to highlight um blanco's i mean i don't know you you you're going now into is it early early access season one now i think i can't remember is it exact four, four but the, 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 whole, yeah. the big thing that's happening is is your the first blockchain game going live on epic game store yeah. in the next next four weeks three weeks something like that i don't know if there's an official yeah. release date i don't something think so like yet, but, but pretty, pretty <laughs> I'll just go something like that yeah yeah that's sort of the interesting um i mean i think you publicly you've announced you know a while back now you had a million registrations so it's not like no one's played the game before but equally with ever how many people are on epic game store that'll be you know a a different sort of market um yeah at the, moment, at the moment people have been finding it themselves i guess now you have the chance to sort of be positioned for people who just are interested in games so yeah, yeah i mean we're, we're really excited obviously like i think it's a big step in mm-hmm. a couple of ways for us um one just in terms of like hey blockchain games can exist in the world right it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be a big deal you know you just you own it this is it it's, you know cool there's a game here for you to play so i think like that just in terms of you know what we believe in as a company is a big deal for us and then you know for blankos itself like you mentioned right like epic game i don't even know how many people it's a huge amount of people right are, are kind of got uh, accounts in that on epic game store so um from an eyeballs perspective it's we're really excited to just sort of see how that funnel like goes right how many people drop in i think you know blanco's does look like sounds super arrogant but it looks cool right like it's yeah. we've tested it obviously so like it tests really well it comes out really high people look people like the look of it they want to play it so um yeah we're, we're excited and, and the team have worked really hard to you know we try new features we take feedback from the community we have we adjust like we're, like we're constantly trying to adjust and move things and which is one of the, I think one of the cool things about games these days compared to like when I got into it, it was like you burnt a disc yeah and if there was a bug there was a bug I mean you know <laughs> sorry <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. whereas now you can you can adjust you can change you can listen to the community like it, it you know it's double edged sword right because yep. sometimes everyone just shouts at you and then runs but off. I was gonna gonna say I, I assume you're just expecting to get review bombed by lots of people queuing up oh. so, so they can just like vent <laughs> the first yeah. blockchain game on Epic Store how dare you yeah 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 <laughs> totally bracing myself for that I mean that's why I don't do Twitter or anything because it's no. like 
it just feels like you're letting somebody into your living room to shout at you, which doesn't yeah. make zero sense to me. So. <laughs> cool. Uh, but it is not just about uh, Blancos. For a long time, it was just about Blancos. But now you've actually got quite a quite a busy sort of schedule of games coming out under the mythic Mythical Games uh, sort of uh, banner. Some internal ones, some sort of, uh, sort of external, different sorts of ways you're doing it. Um, I guess the biggest one, and you've done some launching around that, uh, I think two weeks ago, wasn't it? Uh, NFL Rivals. So... Yeah, I mean, how from a creative point of view, I mean, the sort of sports management games are, you know, to some degree, they're sort of meat and two veg. I mean, you sort of know what you're going to get with them. How, how have you sort of reinvigorated that? How does it? How, why? Why? Apart from just the the, the brand, the licensing, um, why was that one that you sort of wanted to go for? Yeah, well, I guess so. I think there's a couple of things to um, unpack there, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got NFL rivals and then variety leagues. So variety leagues are collection. You know, we yeah. we we like the we we paid a lot of attention to the different collections that were coming out and a lot of them are like hey you know come in and there's going to be something else coming um you know we wanted to go well you know we're, we already make games mm-hmm. so you know come in on the collection this is about this fan collection there's you know kind of leading this pfp thing but building that in tandem with uh, rivals which is our game mm-hmm. um whether they have actual utility in the game right so there's some cool stuff there but i, I think the one thing that we've I, I don't know if we've done a good enough job of doing is it's not just a sports management game. It's actually a game. It's a game you can play, right? So you're actually, and what I mean by that, because yeah. obviously you play sports management games, like there's a thumbs on sticks element to it, right? You are playing yeah. the game of um, football um, and, you know, it's it's cool. I, I, I've, on my phone, if I should, I'd love to just be able to do this right now because the community are desperate to see it. And I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah. I Stop teasing us in. <laughs> I'll be, be done. But, um, it, so it's a game. So you know, you build a roster. You you know, overall you're going to be buying packs, ripping packs, like you would, um, you know, any any kind of card collectible. But all of those players are going to go into your roster, right? So yeah, there's a whole free to play element as well, like, and that's the thing with all of our games. It's not yeah. we don't want we don't want there to be an entry point barrier. Yeah. Um, so there's an element of free to play stuff. Some and you know that they they're not going to be necessary NFTs. And there's a whole NFT element as well with different tiering system and rarity system. So you've got this whole card collection piece. But those cards, those players, you actually build into your roster and you can play. And you you know, you know build a team and you go into seasons and there's all kinds of cool different stuff. But then where kind of rarity league comes in, which is the collection, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're a holder, um, you're going to be... Essentially, you're going to have your own guild. So for every helmet you've got, you have your own guild. So you can invite players in. And by players, just to be specific i mean gamers right not as in you know you build a traditional guild as a gaming guild and you know with rarity league you're going to have your own tournaments your own events um leagues against other rarity leagues the rewards are going to be different than people will be getting elsewhere so you know you can imagine those rewards are all going to be nft based you're going to get access to players before other people as well so you're going to get the opportunity to go and buy those those packs and those cards early and rip them and try and find the best ones right so um this kind of that's kind of how we're pulling those things together. Mm-hmm. Game itself, though, is definitely there's going to be a kind of management element in terms of I'm building my roster, you know, I'm kind of training my players, I'm playing through a season. I'm also going to be able to play in other events that are more kind of up game game stuff that we're building out, right? Um, so you're going to have all that, but yeah, it's a uh, thumbs on sticks. You control the quarterback. Once you throw in the ball, whoever gets it, you control them, um, and um, you know it's all the whole kind of shebang is in there. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, more generally, how much activity there is around sort of sports licenses at the moment, and it's interesting that yeah, there are quite a 
lot of blockchain companies, but they're all sort of taking slightly different approaches. So they're, I guess, sort of so rare, but sort of, I guess, famous example um, uh, as an early success game where, where they're, you know, it is much more a collection thing, but then yeah. what, what I guess we have to call soccer, because um, you just said football for the other one. Yeah, uh, but, I know, uh, in, like... <laughs> in soccer, there's an enormous number of different sort of, you know, games that are going to be, you know, along that spectrum of, of just sort of management style to, to management and, and, and sort of actual gameplay. And I think there's some, some guys doing, basically doing FIFA on the blockchain on that's what they're trying to do. It is kind of interesting how, and I guess partly because that, that's, that sports genre has been so sort of, I mean, it, obviously it's massive, but it's been sort of so stagnant in many ways <laughs> um, yeah. for, for, for a number of years. I guess people are seeing the block, blockchain as being a, a, a way of sort of reinvigorating um, some of those um, sort, of, uh, sort of gameplay features. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I think that the reason why I we like it is it kind of plays into that kind of you know card collectibles, right? Like you yeah. know, being a Brit, I was you know, Panini was mm. when I was a kid. It was collecting the Panini football stickers, right? And that was that was the thing. But card collectibles and, and whatever, right? Pokemon, that's just a big deal. And I think it just makes sense with sports stuff that season on season right mm. new players old players um even throughout the season players yeah. stats are changing right so it's a really interesting way to kind of keep delivering different things and obviously like blockchain allows you to do something neat and the fact that you can have these digital collectibles that have got again tiers of rarity and all that kind of fun stuff and you know what we're doing is making sure that that rarity shows up in the game as well right mm. so you can imagine that the more rare player cards that you're going to get are going to look slightly differently on the pitch or they're going to have yeah. slightly different kind of cool things they can do mm. um but i think that's that's for me why i think it's mm. interesting because it just really it makes sense in that whole world right it kind of it brings like these cards that people look at right and they're yeah. like, Ooh, michael jordan from 1988 yeah. or whatever um or 98 i don't even know but now i can do something with it right and i think yeah. we just want to be able to I mean, I don't know how old you are, but I'm in my 40s, and mm. I'm like, I want to do stuff with things I've got now. Yeah. Like generations younger than us, don't. It's not that they want; they just expect. Like yes, they've yes, grown yeah. up in a digital world. The idea of a all this shit I'm surrounded by. It's like whatever, dude. I'm on <laughs> Facebook, or you know what I mean? They're like, I grew up in a different space, so yeah, yeah. I need this thing to do something. So make it do something. Mm -hmm. And the, the final project uh, I want to talk about was was Nitro Nation World Tour, which is uh, I think you'd call it co-development co with the uh, the, the uh, Estonian studio Creative Mobile, who, who I know sort of fairly well. They had Nitro Nation as a free-to-play mobile game, actually for for gone through various iterations for probably about a decade now. I think you know one of the very early sort of drag racing games. Um, so again, uh, I don't think much has been announced about that, apart from the sort of the title and the fact you're doing it. Really, I think it's, it's, it's maybe a bit further down the line. But what what can you tell us about that and why? Yeah. What's, what's blockchain sort of bringing to, to that sort of um, sort of drag race thing, and, and and where's the creative vision there? Um, yeah, so yeah, seems great. It's been a great partnership with them. It's something yeah, we've got a team here working hand in hand with them, building that out, and um, for anything from like creative visuals all the way through to game side. But oh, they're an you know, amazing team. Like Nitro Nation, I think it's seventy five million installs. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of people played it, um, and you know, for us. It, Owning cars, right? Like, <laughs> it's cars. You know, I mean, that's what these things are all about. And and showing off and having that collection makes a ton of sense. So like attaching that to the chain again and, and make like just bringing in all that stuff we've already kind of touched on, right? Like the rarity of it. Um, 
you, you know, this is an example. I'm not saying this is the way, but you know, there's only so many Aston Martins in the world, in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's the case in certain games, it just makes things. It, there's some interesting stuff you can do with it. So um, lots more to be announced on that. Lots more mm-hmm. coming. You you um, going to be able to start registering and getting involved in the community soon. Some really really fun paradigms of how we're looking like bringing in from the blockchain world and kind of bringing into that game but um yeah great team we're also, but we're not just what i would say as well is we're not just like taking a game that had 75 million installs mm-hmm. you know played in that world against like csr and all those other ones right um, we're not just taking it and like wedging blockchain in the back of it um it's a whole new game right there's a whole new story to it uh, there's a whole new setting for it Obviously, there's whole new cars, right, um, and, and things like that. There's some really cool, cool stuff in there. Um, so, like, we're spending a lot of time still building it out as a great free-to-play game. You're just going to own stuff. And yeah. that offers some really interesting uh, game mechanics, which we can talk about a little bit closer to launch. And they'll let, you know, I don't want to steal the Team's Thunder because they've done some yeah, no, shit. Yeah. You can imagine there's going to be some really fun stuff we can do with it. Mm-hmm. It's actually interesting. I don't even know if you know this. That Creative Creative Mobile did did some very early blockchain stuff, some really weird sort of RPG things that I remember sort of fiddling around with. And, and like, so yeah. it's good to see. It's good to see that. I don't think that that's not related at all to sort of, <laughs> sort of what Nitro Nation is. But it's sort of interesting, interesting in the early days, like 2019, I think they were doing they were sort of that's right messing around yeah. with that stuff. And it was you know it didn't work. That's fine. It's an experiment. And, and well, that's it. You know, so much of the stuff is an experiment right now. Like, yeah. I, I go back to like, we're still at Snake. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Um, so it was a long road ahead, but um, yeah, it's CM a good, like, great team, super talented. Um, I can't wait to show some of that stuff because I just think the how we've like collectively elevated that brand into what it looks like now and what it's going to be is is really cool. Good. Good. Leave us with something to look forward to. Well, excellent. Covered a lot of stuff there, but really good, Jamie. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, John. That was fun. Good, good. A trip down memory lane. I wonder how many people yeah. remember, Co- remember Codemasters. And the... Oh, God, Codemasters. That was such a long time ago. We built Colin McRae in a cow shed, in case anyone wants to know. We were it, sort of forgot as well. Colin McRae was just, at the time, that was that was the racing game, wasn't it, really? That was, I mean, the, that was, that was yeah. the one, PlayStation 1. Sort of PlayStation I would not hate it if they remastered Colin McRae 2 just so I could play it again, because that was a ton of fun. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, thanks, good. John. Appreciate, appreciate having us on no, good, good. Thank you, Jeremy. And thank you uh, to you you guys for uh, listening, watching, however you're consuming the podcast. Um, we are talking to the people building out this crazy new sector of blockchain games. As I in, in, in totally agree with Jamie. It's, it's, you know, no, no one really knows exactly what they're doing. I think we're getting some better ideas over, over time, but you know, plenty of innovation to go, pl- plenty, plenty of, of, of sort of crazy curveballs to, to be thrown. So um, hopefully talking to the people who are doing this sort of stuff is, is helpful to you, which is why I do it. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the channel and see you again next time.